With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment. Coors Light. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is home to the Best Ball Mania 2 contest where you can win $1 million. That's right, $1 million. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. That's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. And welcome, everyone, to a Sunday night edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. It's your host, ZB, joined for the start of the week by Munaf. Munaf, absolutely incredible weekend. How are you, bro? I'm so damn excited, man. I know we're ex- uh, exchanging messages on Slack and, and on the NBA uh, Slack channel. Also, it's... It's a hell of a start to the playoffs, man. I'm, I'm so excited to get into it. Uh, we had some great games. Uh, I, I think the game of the day went today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But, man, I'm excited, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. Although Knicks and Nuggets took took early game one losses, which, which we, we will definitely get into all of those. So update yeah. for the people. This is uh, the Sunday night episode, so it's 10, 18 p.m. on the East Coast. We're currently in the middle of Grizzlies Jazz, so we will not be talking about that series yet. Plan for this week is to have a show every single day. So we got me, Munaf, Dan, McKee, Scott, all locked in. Might have some other appearances as well. Um, yep. Definitely get in the Slack channel if you're not in there yet. That's at sg.pn slash Slack. That was popping off with plays all weekend. Munaf and I could not quit favorites in the first quarter. Got absolutely <laughs> burned by it. We'll definitely get into oh, that yeah. a little bit. The picks were not fire, but the, the intensity of playoff basketball is back, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to get right into it. Plan for today. We're going to catch up with every series that had this game one over the weekend. We're going to start with the Heat and Bucks, and then we'll get to the um, Nuggets and Blazers. Those two teams are the matchups for Monday night. Only two games Monday night, and we'll get to the handicap for game two, and then we'll just go rapid fire through the rest of the series. So let's get right into it. Munaf, your impressions as the Milwaukee Bucks pull out a overtime victory. Crazy game. Jimmy Butler ties it at the buzzer in OT. Chris Middleton with the dagger from the mid-range in overtime. Just a sick game to start off the playoffs. Your impressions on that game and kind of how that sets tone for the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's exciting that the first game of the first round went into overtime, right, uh, as it should be. So that was a really exciting game. Um, but I think that if you take a look at the box score, the biggest – thing that kind of stands out is a three-point shooting. I mean, Miami Heat made 15 more three-pointers than the Milwaukee Bucks, and they still lost the game. And that's really concerning, right? When, it, when If you see a team that 
outshoots your opponent by 15 three pointers, they should have won the game by at least 15 to 20 points. So for them to lose uh, in overtime uh, to the Bucks by two points, that's a little alarming because you know we know that Milwaukee is a great three point shooting team. You know they just didn't have it in game one, but they found a way to pull out the victory. I had mentioned this in the Slack channel. I think kind of getting into the X's and O's of it, I, I think that the Bucks really need to let um, Drew Holiday and Chris Milton run the offense. Yep. Because when Giannis is kind of bringing the ball down and he's trying to set up the offense, it's just not working. And they're kind of, you know, again, that the wall that we kind of talked about with what Miami hit Miami Heat trying to do defending Giannis was it was still there, but the offense was flowing a lot better when Drew Holiday and Chris Milton were getting at least getting the offense set up and getting the guys into place or bringing the ball up the court versus, you know, Giannis bringing, you know, I think that was one of X's and O's takeaway for me in game one, at least. Yeah. There's so much to get to here. We're, uh, well, obviously trying to cover as much as we can. Heat do get the cover. So I think, you know, from that perspective, they obviously came out, took it to OT, had many chances to win this game. Yeah, let's start with the Bucks offensively. I mean, obviously a rough performance for them, right? Their offense did not get going whatsoever. Five at 31 from three. Um, and you're 100% right. I think the main takeaway from this game is if you're the Bucks, you're looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo off to a bad start to his playoff redemption tour where he's yeah. kind of trying to figure out what he does on offense in the playoffs. This mm-hmm. game, super inefficient, 10 of 27 from the field, 6 of 13 from the line. The Bucks as a team, 20 of 33 from the line. So a little bit of free throw luck for the Heat there. And then Giannis, five assists, five turnovers. And, you know, he was only a plus two in his 45 minutes, um, 26 points on 27 shots, just not really efficient. I think you're right. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday need to be the featured pieces for them offensively. Now you can get Giannis involved in different ways, you know, use him as a, as a screener, use him as a more traditional big man, and then let Drew and Chris cook, um, yeah. you know, for the Bucks. I think another adjustment, I would like to see more P.J. Tucker. Obviously, yeah. he he wasn't great in this game, but, you know, he was plus eight in his 18 minutes. Um, you know, we, we talked about how Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker were the big additions for the Bucks. Drew was a team high plus 10 in his 42 minutes. P.J. Tucker, second team high plus eight in his 18 minutes. So I would like to see those guys get it a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton, obviously he gets to his mid-range. And if he has Duncan Robinson on him, that's a good matchup for the Bucks. Yeah. Um you know, with the Heat offensively, obviously you pointed out, you know, 20 of 50 from three, but the flip side of that coin is they took 99 field goals in this game. So basically took as many threes as twos, um, mm-hmm. and they were only 16 of 49 from two. I mean, the, the two-point defense from Brooke Lopez and Giannis and PJ and, and Chris Middleton all was, was really good. Yep. Duncan Robinson obviously got loose, but Jimmy Butler, four of 22, and Bam Adebayo, four of 15. So You know, for the Heat, you know, what do you kind of see for them offensively going into game two? Yeah, I think that can the biggest concern right there is that you're arguably your two best players, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, combined for eight of 37. So, yeah, you know, you want to kind of tip your hat to Duncan Robinson in the night he had, along with Goran Dragic, another guy that kind of those two guys kept Miami Heat in the game. Um, I'm not sure if Jimmy Butler with the injuries, if that really affected him maybe in this game. but he still did have 10 rebounds and eight assists. So as usual, Jimmy Butler was filling up the stat sheet. Um, they're going to have to find a way to get creative on offense, especially inside inside yeah. the three-point line, because you can't expect this Miami Heat to knock down 23 pointers and still lose the game, right? And like you said, inside the two-point, well, there's 16 of 34, you said? 
Yeah, 16 of 49 from two. Wow. Okay, so even worse. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they're going to have to figure out a way to either, you know, push the pace and get easy baskets, you know, whether it's dunks or rebounds. Oh, sorry, dunks or layups on, on fast breaks or, um, you know, so, something's got to change because, you know, when I looked at the scout, uh, so the box score, when we were, you know, prepping for the show, that that was that's crazy to me that they made plus 45 from three point and they lost the game in overtime by two. So, um, and especially with Milwaukee, we know that they're a great three point shooting team. It's just a matter of time that they're going to come out and firing and them, they themselves can hit 23 pointers in a game with the shooters that they have on, on the team. So, uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam are going to have to, you know, step it up here. You yeah. have to find a way to get creative. I think that that's the uh, takeaway that I kind of had from, from game one from between these two teams. So, I mean, What's kind of your narrative takeaway from this game? I mean, I think for the Heat, you obviously show that you can hang with them, but yeah. you also kind of put in that road, that great road effort, and you didn't get it done. That's always tough when you have one slip away in a seven-game series. Um, so, you know, this is obviously also kind of an ugly game. The Heat did a good job mucking up. Both teams had 17 turnovers, so mm-hmm. hopefully you get a little bit of a cleaner game in game two. But how do you kind of make out both teams' mindset coming off this game as they go into game two? I think for the Bucks. The Bucs would have been shook if they lost that game. I, I yeah. think I think they they already kind of were shook in that game uh, as they realized, you know, we could really go down 1-0 to these guys again. Yeah, and I think the the mentality for the Bucs is something positive now that they got the victory in overtime because if they lost that game in overtime, I don't know where your head is at right now because yeah, like I, I could just kind of go back to the shooting that, hey, there's they're, in their mind right now, they said, hey, we had a bad three-point shooting night but we still won the game. We found a way, we found a way to win the game, especially the way Miami outshot us from three point line. We're a great three point shooting team. Yeah. We're going to come out and make shots. I think that, yeah, tomorrow night. And I think they were going to do that. So I think for mentality wise for Milwaukee, they're in a good place for Miami. uh, You know, I I think going talking about, you know, we know that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are going to bounce back in their head with the dogs that they have on this team, they know that they can hang with this Milwaukee Bucks team. Yep. They show that in game one. Yep. They showed that last year. Um, so, you know, I think the mentality for Miami is that, Hey, let's go out, forget what happened in game one. Let's try to go out and get game two, take it back to Miami. And let's see what happens at, from there. Because I think if Miami gets down Oh, two in this series to Milwaukee, try, trying to win four out of seven, I'm oh, sorry, four out of five from Milwaukee is going to be a, a very, very steep hill to climb. Yeah, totally agree. I think I think the Heat will punch back. Look, it's an Eric Spolstra, Jimmy yep. Butler team. They're not they they've been in playoff series before. They're not going to roll over because of one game. I think as a fan, it's easy to overreact to that. But let's see how the market's reacting, and let's look ahead to Game Two, which is tomorrow night, seven thirty yep. Eastern. Heat now I'm seeing as a uh, plus three fifteen for the series. Bucks at minus fourteen uh, four fifteen. So mm-hmm. Bucks kind of rising up, bigger favorite, yep. obviously taking care of business, and on the spread for Game Two. We have the Heat, still a four-and-a-half-point underdog, total at 222-and-a-half. Munaf, any thoughts on that series price, and uh, where are you going for game two? I, I, we were both in the Bucks in, in game one, did not cover, had opportunities too, and obviously yeah. the free throw luck hurts a lot, as mm-hmm. we were bemoaning in the Slack channel, but where are you going for game two here? Same spread. Uh, is t- totals down a little bit, I think, or up a little bit? I thought the spread changed a little bit. I thought Milwaukee was like five or six, but I could be wrong. It might. I, it was at, it was at four and a half at one point. It was kind of bouncing between that six and four and a half range. I think it was okay. at different places. So okay. you know, definitely maybe on the shorter side of that. You're right. 
Yeah, I, I think when you go game by game, obviously when like the home court changes, that's when the spread is going to change. But relatively, the spread will stay the same. Yeah, we we'll probably see the total fluctuate maybe a couple points here and there. But um, you know, I'll, I'll go with Miami tomorrow night. I, I think this is a good bounce back. They, I think they know that they kind of have to get this game if they want to have a chance of winning this series. Um, I, I believe Jimmy Butler will play better tomorrow. I believe Adam Bam Adebayo will play better tomorrow. Um, again, my only concern for them is that are they going to be able to keep up with the three-point shoot or are they going to be able to consistently make three-point shots again with uh, with the performance they had from game one? Obviously, you don't need to knock down 23-pointers, but if they're in that 13 to 15 range and they're able to shoot better from inside of the arc, I think they have a good chance of winning this ball game. So I'll take Miami uh, uh, getting the points here, plus four and a half. Um, and I'll take the over for tomorrow night. I think uh, Milwaukee will shoot better tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, Miami uh, will find a way to get buckets inside it, whether that's knocking down, knocking down jump shots uh, inside the arc or finishing around the basket. Yeah, I think my theme for this game to approach that, you know, I think both these teams will definitely settle in, right? That game one, first game of the playoffs, and it was a really ugly first quarter. A lot of missed shots, a lot of turnovers. Obviously, like I said, 17 turnovers for each team. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy had six, Giannis had five. So kind of uncharacteristic. I think we see a much smoother game here. So I do like that over. I think that, you know, the shot profile was there. I think shots are going to fall. I'm going to go with the Bucks minus four and a half here. I think okay. that they got a big win mentally to kind of survive that test. I think yep. they'll be a lot looser in game two here. Now they kind of got one under their belt and can kind of come out and play better. They didn't play well and they got a win. So I'm going to go with the Bucks minus four and a half. And I think they're still on track to win this series. I mean, obviously they yep. took take care of business so far. So you still on board with the Bucks for this series? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. I think that that one, the game one victory with huge what we just talked about, I think was uh, absolutely huge, especially for Chris Middleton. And he, he, he played well. And uh, I think a player proud that I'm going to continue to riding is Chris Middleton, because I think if, if, if Giannis cannot uh, perform and they still Miami's defense is able to shut down uh, Giannis, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, the two guys are going to have to step up for this team. Yes, sir. Any other thoughts on that Heat Bucks, or should we move on to the next series? Oh, we can move on. Yeah, let's keep it going. We got uh, seven series to get to. Let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with Nuggets Blazers. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get into all your favorite teams, players, and sports games with generous promos, odds, and parlays happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and receive a special offer up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. All right, coming back off the break, Portland Beats Denver in game one in Denver. Uh, definitely a really competitive game, a fun game. And then it kind of got it got to be Dame time late, and the, the Nuggets had no answers defensively for the Blazers as that game closed. Portland obviously covers the spread, gets the outright win with a 123-109 win in Denver, goes over the total. Um, and I think for Denver, I mean, they've been in this position before, but obviously a tough loss in game one. What were your impressions of that matchup? And um Obviously, Dame Lillard, 34 points, 13 assists. Can't say enough about how good he was. Yeah. I'll let you kick this one off because since you're the Denver fan, uh, I want to get your thoughts first, and then I'll, I'll kind of get into it. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the, the Nuggets just 
we're seeing the defensive flaws emerge again in the playoffs and that that we saw against Utah last year, just Jokic's inability to get out on the floor against Greens. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, how many pull-up jumpers that he hit in that series last year between the Jazz and the Nuggets? We saw Dame and CJ both getting in their bag last night. Um, and, yeah, just the defensive uh, matchups just kind of weren't there. I thought Faku did admirably on Dame with the effort-wise, but – you know, as you kind of were trolling me a little bit in the Slack <laughs> channel, I know I can romanticize some of these players a little bit. You know, Faku was kind of getting overwhelmed, and Dame obviously got busy late in the game, and the Nuggets really had no answer for him. I mean, I think for the Nuggets as a team, they got to just do a little bit better job being active on the back end of that defense. I mean, the Blazers were opening up just seams in their defense, just getting open looks all across the floor. Mello, his catch-and-shoot game was going crazy. He was 4 of 8 from 3, 18 points off the bench. He was a weapon. Simons, 4 of 5 from 3. And then, you know, for Dame to get up 12 threes, that just shows, you know, he was able to walk off that ball screen right into an open three that he knocks down at will. 13 assists, too, kind of playing in the, in the, in the, uh, the passing game when Jokic did get out on the floor. Um, so I think it starts defensively for the Nuggets. They really got to clean it up and do a better job against Dame. And then, look, on, on the offensive end, Jokic had, had 34 points, but they, you know, he was pretty lethal as a scorer, but only one assist. I think that kind of says a lot about where the Nuggets are at as a team right now. Yeah. The Blazers did do a good job of kind of making Jokic beat them as a scorer, and they weren't really letting other guys get off. Um, and, you know, when you're surrounded by Kampatsu and Rivers, you know, it's not the same as Jamal Murray, obviously. You don't have yeah. that extra legal threat. So that's obviously what's tough for the Nuggets. And then Michael Porter Jr. I thought was good. I mean, one of 10 from three is a shame because he was making some tough shots, making some good plays in transition. Um, but still a 25 points, nine boards. So I think the Nuggets are okay here. I think it's obviously a huge, shaping up to be a huge game too, but starts on the defensive end was, was my impression. Yeah, I mean... I think for Denver, they were they're gonna have to figure out who that third guy is because yeah. for Aaron Gordon, I mean the ceiling is probably sixteen to seventeen points a night, so they're gonna need a fourth guy to step up. And it, I mean, at the question mark now is who's that guy gonna be because Compazzo is not a offensive guy, right? He he can knock down a couple three point shots for you, but he's not gonna be able to get you twelve to fifteen points a night. Austin Rivers is a guy, you know, he was with the Rockets, so I was able to watch him for the time that he was there. You know, he has the ability to score, but this offense is pretty much centered around Nikola uh, Jokic. And then you kind of take a look at their bench. You know, Paul Millsap, only 15 minutes. Uh, Jamichael Green, only 18 minutes. So I think those are kind of question marks for for me there on why those guys, you know, maybe it's a matchup thing or why those guys are not getting more minutes. And Monte Morris and Marcus Howard both played 20-plus minutes, so... I mean, you, 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 at least in the, for game one, what Joe Gidge and Michael Porter Jr. did was what we were expecting, right? 34 points, 16 rebounds, only one assist for Joe Gidge, But, you know, Michael Porter Jr., again, expect, did what we expected, 25 points, nine rebounds. It's just, it just feels like that Portland just has too much firepower on the offensive side for Denver to keep up with. And it's, either going to have to start with the the scoring or sorry, the defense of Denver on Portland or somebody's going to have to step up. And, and I just don't see who that guy's going to be for Denver. Um, and I think the two guys that I kind of do want to shout out for the uh, Portland Trailblazers game one were both Anthony, sorry, um, Carmelo Anthony and uh, Simons. Yeah. Those guys off the bench combined for eight of 13 from three point range. And I mean, that was pretty much it. 
you know, do we know that Dame is going to be Damian Lillard in the playoffs? CJ McCollum's going to get his also. So um, I, I kind of zooming out and looking at it, I am kind of worried about Denver if they're even maybe going to be able to get a game or two in the series. Um, it's just that with, with Portland again, just too much firepower for me, man. I mean, we'll see what happens tomorrow night, yeah. but I just think again, if it doesn't start on defense for for uh, Denver, that I think. Portland has just too many shooters that they're just going to shoot them out of the gym. Yeah, I, I two things in response to that. I mean, I think I, I've heard a lot of podcasts mention this, but kind of the irony of the fact that the Nuggets went out and traded Gary Harris for Aaron Gordon as part yeah. of that package because they thought they needed another wing defender for Kawhi and LeBron. And then in the first yeah. round, you get Dame, CJ, and Norm as your matchup, and they don't even have anybody for Aaron Gordon's really naturally guard. So you're looking for that third guard. At times, they went to a lineup with Morris and Compazzo and Rivers um, out there to kind of miss, to kind of fit up against the Blazers. And that's not really how they want to play. Um, And yeah, for the Blazers, I mean, you, you always talk about this shot profile, the Blazers made, and you talk about the heat buck series, the Blazers made 19 threes, the Nuggets made 11 and the Nuggets shot eight free throws. The Blazers shot 19. I mean, the Blazers did it much more efficiently, much healthier shot profile. And you got to credit the Blazers for making things tough on the Nuggets too. So, like you said, I mean, if this is kind of a bucket for bucket series, it's just going to be really hard for Denver to keep up. I still think that they, you know, Jokic obviously has the matchup. I don't really think that, you know, Nurkic kind of makes it tough for him, but he still was able to score, you know, over, through, and around him. Yeah. I think it's just going to have to come down to, like you said, other guys hitting threes, spotting up off Jokic. They need that in game two because I think, like you said, this game, this series, you know, it's going to be tough sledding for Denver to get it done. So they have to yep. win a you know a game at home here in game two, um, but you know I I think they are not going to panic. That that's one thing I like about this Denver team in this spot. Obviously, faced two three one deficits last year that they came back from. They've you know people were writing them the fuck off in that in that Jazz yeah. series last year, and they were able to come back there. So you know still think that the potential for Will and PJ to come back that's going to be obviously a huge uh, kind of mystery box aspect of this series. I know, I know you don't make much of the Will Barton return, but um, we, we will see. Um, any other takeaways? I mean, it was a fun game. It was a nightcap yeah. on Saturday night. I think, I think if the Nuggets got this, got this game won, we'd be talking about how this series is definitely going to go seven, and we yeah. would love – but I think that's obviously a huge win for Blazers to get game one, get started on the right foot. So any other takeaways from that game you had? No, that was pretty much it. I mean, I think the storyline right, right there was a three-point shooting of, you know um, – uh, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, the uh, two guys off the bench, and then you know finding a third or fourth guy for the Denver Nuggets to kind of step up here. And, I, and like and just going back to what you said about just to wrap this up is getting Barton back and and Dozier is going to be significant upgrades for uh, the Denver yeah. Nuggets to get back. So um, hopefully they're back tomorrow night, and this is a completely different game for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, and I, I believe they both are actually been ruled out for Game Two already. Okay, so it will be not until Game Three they can get that help. So obviously a crucial game coming up, yeah. series price. Major shift here. Blazers up to minus 345. Nuggets at plus 275. Blazers having sealed uh, home court advantage or stealing home court advantage. That's a little bit aggressive for me. I think I might even like the Nuggets coming back the other way at plus 275 to win this series. But let's get into game two here. The late game tomorrow night. Nuggets one and a half point favorite at home. Same total at 227. I think you were on the Blazers in game one. I was on the Nuggets, so nice pick there. Where are you going with game two? Uh, no, I was on the Nuggets with you, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, I said that. Right, so get, we, yeah. we both lost. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a overall rough weekend for for me, for sure. Uh, 
I'm going to say with Portland, man, I just, I, I would be curious to see what the adjustments are for Denver, but I just think that Portland, again, it, they're just out, out, they're just going to outshoot Portland, uh, sorry, Denver. And, you know, if one guy's off, you still have CJ McCullough and Norman Powell um, to, to kind of, you know, be there if Damian Lillard's having a bad game and then off the bench, Carmelo. I think this is, this, uh, did you see where they were still kind of booing or or they're talking about there were still boos for Carmelo Anthony? I did, I, I, I did hear that. I, I was a little bit, uh, he requested a trade. Like, don't, don't, don't yeah. try to, don't try to have them show you love when you forced your way out of the market. Like, that yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me either. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm gonna go with Portland tomorrow night. Uh, probably play the money line. I see right at plus 105 or even money. Um, and I think I was just gonna continue writing this over, man. I think these are two great offensive teams. We saw that on display on on uh, Saturday night, and uh, I think the great shooting will continue for Portland, and hopefully Denver has a better shooting night. So I think we see points again in this game. Yeah, I'm, I, so you're on both road teams for tomorrow night's game. I'm gonna go with both home teams. I'm taking the Nuggets here in a bounce back, but. Doesn't this kind of feel like it's going to be an epic game tomorrow night? It does. And it, I, yeah. I, I think Jokic will have a better game. Um, hopefully, yeah, he might be on triple-double watch. I think he only had one assist. So, hopefully, some of these uh, shooters around uh, around uh, Jokic are able to knock down shots. Yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm going to go with the Nuggets minus the one and a half, and I'll go with the over as well. But um, excited for this one. I think, you know, both, both – uh, Miami and Denver both have a lot to build on, but obviously both definitely ruining not getting that game won. Um, so it's just, it's just tough. Uh, with, with that, let's take another quick break here, and then we'll come back with the rest of the series. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is a go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Works, friends, family, and a million pressing socialists who's an expectation to be on 24-7. You guys know how it feels. Sometimes you just want to take a moment to turn off and hit reset, chill on the couch, watch a couple games, bet a couple games. And that's when you reach for Coors Light because it's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains and the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Cracking open a Coors Light when you're sitting down to watch some NBA games. There's nothing better than it. So Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. It's from Coors Brewing, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. All right, so coming back off the break, I think we got to go to MSG to, to start off. So yeah, we're just we're just gonna go we're just gonna go rapid fire through the rest of these series, kind of catch you guys up on what happened, look ahead to game two. Uh, obviously, most of these games not till Tuesday or Wednesday, but Madison Square Garden today was just absolutely rocking, incredible game, just a really 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 back and forth battle and atmosphere was. I think I saw a tweet today. It was so true. Today was the day. Today was the day that that. COVID was over, you know, with, with sports, with, 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 yeah. Phil, with, with Phil Mickelson getting mobbed at Kiowa yeah. and then the garden was rocking. So hopefully that's the case. Um, but tough loss for the Knicks um, at, in the end, just too much Trey Young and just, I, I, I never, I never loved the Hawks that much, but, and I, I'm a Knicks fan, obviously, but you got to just give it up to Trey Young is just a, 
an absolute maestro offensively. And he, he, I thought he had this game on a yo-yo. I thought that he was in complete control all game and the Knicks really had no answer for him. And down the stretch, he was just lethal and then ends up with the game winning floater 0.9 seconds left, completely mixes Frank Nilakina with a killer cross double cross and get, gets to the floater off and uh, puts the Knicks away. So a 107, 105 win for the Hawks to, uh, Take the lead in this series, one zip. Trey finished with 32, 10, and 7 um, for the Knicks. Alec Burks had 27 off the bench, but Julius Randle notably struggled, 15 points on 23 shots. Um, but just a great game, and this, this series looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But your impressions of this game as the Hawks uh, sneak away with a, with a big win? Yeah, this was a tough pill to swallow for the New York Knicks, man. I mean, they were up yep. by three with, I think, about a minute 11 left, and then they got outscored in that final minute, about seven to two. So that was pretty much the ball game there. Um, you know, Julius Randle, again, going back, you know, talked about he's really struggled. I mean, six of 23 from the field. Um, thank God for Alec Burks for this team. You know, he dropped 27, shot the ball real well. He was real efficient. Um, again, I don't think we're talking enough about what Derrick Rose has been to this team. Um, you know, he, he was there in the clutch moments scoring the basketball. I mean, he only had 17 points, but we, we saw why Derrick Rose wanted to kind of come over to this team. And I think he's been really big part of the success that New York has had, you know, throughout the season and in, in game one, particularly um, it's kind of concerning for me that the New York Knicks starters only scored here. 27 about 41 points and yeah. so they're gonna kind of, i mean you know noel's not really a a guy that's gonna score the basketball for you but you know i, I think they're gonna need their two guys um uh, julius randall and rj bear to kind of step up they combined 12 of 38 from the field three of 12 from through a three-point line so you know i mean this was i think the probably the best game of the weekend outside of milwaukee and uh, uh uh, the heat game one overtime game, but you know, it's uh tough to man, tough, tough pill to swallow for New York. They had this, I think they had it in the bag. It's just Bogdanovich. I mean, he hit some big three pointers down the stretch for the, for the uh, Hawks. And I think that's why they went out and got him. So, you know, got a shot, shout out, shout out him for sure. And then Deandre Hunter had that big three pointer also in that fourth late in the fourth quarter. So Trey young again, you know, not an efficient night, 11 of 23, but he orchestrated the offense real well. Like you said, you know, he, yeah. he made the passes to the shooters where they were open and they knocked them down. And then at the end, you know, he had the uh, two free throws where he created the contact quote unquote. I don't think that should have been a foul, but Bullshit, yeah. Yeah. Even though they reviewed it, I didn't think that was a foul. And then again, uh, the, the game winning shot that he hit. So, um, <clears throat> You know, uh, hopefully New York bounces back here. Uh, maybe it was just playoff jitters for both Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, and they're able to bounce back in game two. But um, I, I, like we said when we were previewing the Eastern Conference round one, as I said, I thought it was imperative for New York to get both games yeah. uh, if they're going to have a chance to win. Um, so I think tomorrow night or, or whenever they play, sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday night, it's going to have to be like – it sounds crazy to say, but they almost have to treat it like a game seven because I think that they go down 0-2 going into Atlanta – it's going to be a very, very tough hill to climb. So, um, you know, the most exciting game of the weekend, like I, I had tweeted out, if you're a fan of basketball, you want to see Madison Square Garden rocking like it was. It was, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I had the volume all the way up on the TV when I was watching it. That felt like to part of be part of the crowd. But um, as far as the game, you know, Julius Randle's going to have to play better for this team to uh, ha have some success in the game too.
Yeah, we, we, I totally agree with your point on Julius. I mean, when when he had the ball, credit to the Hawks, they were shifting the entire defense towards him and making him really uncomfortable, showing a lot of help, you know, some throwing some double teams at him, and he was uncomfortable. Six of 23 from the field, um, four assists, three turnovers. I think he's going to have to do more as a facilitator in this series if they're going to continue to check him like that. And that's okay because, like you said, Derrick Rose and Alec Burks are very capable as you know outside bucket getters, and they can kind of run, pick, and roll and be your primary guys. I think with Julius, he kind of was having trouble figuring out how to get involved because he wasn't really being efficient. Burks and Rose both had it going, but Julius also wants to be the guy with the ball in his hand. So I think for the Knicks, they do kind of have to figure out that sort of role situation with those three guys when they're on the floor at the same time because they all kind of want to do similar things with the ball in their hands. Um, so for Julius, I thought he was a little bit uncomfortable, but, you know, that's okay. Obviously, the Alfred Payton thing is kind of getting a little bit weird. He played literally four minutes in each half starting. I think it's it's got to be changed uh, going yeah. into the next game. It's like I think I understand why Tibbs didn't want to change anything, you know, going into game one of a playoff series, but – it just doesn't really make sense. I mean, he was 0 of 3, just a complete non-factor um, in both halves. Just really just didn't bring anything to the table. And the Knicks obviously started slow in the first quarter. That kind of cost them this game because they spent so much time fighting back that at the very end they couldn't build any sort of lead on top of it. Um, I will say for the Hawks, when they had the ball on the offensive end, I think the Knicks need to figure out something to do with this Trey Young pick-and-roll game. Like you said, yeah. just absolutely orchestrating. And Nerland's Noel, he – was kind of caught in between helping up Trey Young. How many, how many floaters did he hit today? Where Trey, where Nerlens Noel was just dropping backwards, and Trey is going to make that floater. Like you got to, you got to step up and help. But he's just put so much pressure on you because he can do so many different things with the ball. Um, and he had, and he has the pull up three game as well. So, you know, I not concerned per se because I think the, obviously the Knicks were right in this game up until the end, but. You know, yeah. like in a seven-game series, game one is so big. Obviously, the Hawks take home court advantage now. And, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, picked Hawks in six. And yeah. this is kind of the perfect measure for that because now all they do is protect home the rest of the series and they get it done. So, um, tough loss for the Knicks. Um, we're going to – so, we're not going to get to the game twos per se because we'll have shows every day this week that kind of get into the handicap. But um, – yeah. You know, can the Knicks come back and get get game two? I know you said trees like game seven. I totally agree. It's a must win game for them. Uh, so, oh, uh, when when Frank Nilakina checked into that game, was that his first time in the game? It was his second time. He did the same thing at the end of the at the end of the first half. But yeah, okay. he only played I think a one minute total. Yeah, one yeah. minute. So it was like minus thirty seconds two, each, and and there was the minus two was the floater by Trey Young. I, I think. I mean, obviously we're not coaches, but I think that's a bad coaching decision because you're bringing in a guy that's pretty much been sitting on the bench for the whole half. And you're bringing him in to guard a guy that's been tearing up the defense. And for you to bring a guy off of the bench that probably isn't even really stretched out or warmed up and bringing him out the most important possession of the game. I don't, I'm not sure that was the right move. Maybe you put, maybe, I don't know, RJ Barrett on, 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 on Trey young at the end of the game, because he was in the game and he played significant minutes. Um, but I, I think that's a head scratcher for me, but again, we're not coaches or, so I, I could be completely wrong, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about this uh, game when we have a line, when we figure out when they're playing again. And I, I don't think not too much of a concern because we know that Julian Julius Randall is going to play better. So, um, you know, you got to tip your hat to Atlanta Hawks for, you know, number one, how they close the game, they could have easily folded when New York took yeah. the lead. And yeah. then, you know, for them to 
play well with how electric that crowd was at MSG in a very, very long time. Eight years for them to have a playoff game in that building was, I think, you got to tip your hat to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, tip, tip of the cap to Atlanta Hawks. Um, great win for them. And Trey Young's first game in the playoffs was a huge success. Uh, you know, and the yep. Knicks didn't really pick on him in the switch game, which I, I thought was interesting. You know, we talked about how if you're the Knicks, you really got to punish Trey Young defensively, make him work all game long. They had a couple RJ Barrett post ups. I'd like to see much more of that. You know, make Trey Young involved in every single thing you do on the offensive end so that he can't just be chilling out there and yeah. operating like he was. So look for that in game two. We can go through some of the rest of these a little bit quicker. Um, where do you want? Let's go to Lakers Suns next. We'll keep you the Sunday flow. Um, okay. Very intense game. This this was this yeah. was one of the, this was one of those games in the first quarter. I was like, holy shit, this is playoff basketball. So you know, yep. with all these stars on the floor and um, Devin Booker's game just very clearly translates to the playoffs. And you know, he went off in this game. CP three got hurt, came back, wasn't quite himself. LeBron also took a big kind of scary shoulder twist. Um, mm-hmm. He looked like he was okay. Anthony Davis obviously played really poorly in this game, and he was kind of the storyline coming out of it. So the Suns win this game by nine. I had the Suns in this game big, so I was excited about that. Nice win for them in game one. But, um, yeah, just a just a really intense atmosphere out there, and obviously very glad that CP3 and LeBron made it through this game. I think CP3 status is something to monitor because he did not look right the rest of that game with his handle or his jump shot. But your impressions of this game, I thought it was a really fun one to watch. Yeah, I think the two guys that made their debut tonight were pretty much a story for this game. They're two young superstars, uh, one superstar in Devin Booker and then DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, I'll play Anthony minutes. Davis. Yep, 10 of 11, 21 points, 16 rebounds. And I was I was really glad and happy to see him have success early inside and finishing around the basket. Um, and, and I think that was the one guy that I was concerned about coming into this series. That if Ayton, you know, I think he was ruled out for a couple of the last games, that would number one would be healthy enough. And number two, would it be able to you know, live up to the playoff atmosphere and the intensity? And he, and he checked both of the boxes for me. You take a look at his rebounding splits, eight defensive rebounds, eight offensive rebounds, 16 yeah. to 10 in the offensive rebounding uh, department for or, um, the Suns, plus six. Uh, they had six more offensive rebounds. Do you think Anthony Davis still hurt? I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's just not right somehow, whether it's mentally or he's hurt the jumper is completely lost. Like that's just not even a part of his game anymore. He looks so unconfident throwing that thing up there. Um, five of 16 from the field, Oh, of two from three, three of five from the line, 13 points tonight. But it's not just that, like you mentioned, he was getting killed by Deandre Ayton on the glass, the entire game effort plays. Um, he couldn't box Ayton out. Ayton was killing them in the offensive glass. Like you said, eight offensive rebounds. So to see Anthony Davis, who, People were saying this guy's the second best player in the league coming out of the finals last year. Just not the same guy as he as he was in the playoffs last year right now. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, you take a look at the three-point shooting was not there for either of these teams in this game. I think Jay Crowder, 0 of 7 from 3, you know, he's going to he's gonna get hot. He's going to make those shots early in the first quarter where it matters. Obviously, like you said, the was was it Chris? I I... I I left to drop my prints to the airport, I think, uh, midway through this game, and I was recording the MLB gambling podcast. I wasn't able to watch this game, but was it a shooting a shooting shoulder, or what was it? For it was his right three? shoulder. You know, he took a weird twist. It's, he, they called it a contusion on the broadcast, but it looked more like a subluxation where the shoulder pops out. 
he yeah. was really having trouble dribbling as well with his right hand. It looked like he didn't have great feeling down that arm. So I, okay. I think it's, it's going to be a long-term thing to monitor. I mean, he, he was not himself. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I, I, I personally think that Anthony Davis still hurt because, you know, we talk about lower leg injuries and for him to be out the amount of time that he was out, I think that something is still there. And, um, and again, it'll be interesting to monitor. I did predict that the Lakers will be bounced in the first round off to a decent start. Uh, yep. but I do expect the defending champions to respond back in game two, but I think the biggest question mark again is it'll be the health of CP3. I think he will be able to go. Just him being out there uh, for this uh, Suns team is something significant. But again, Devin Booker is going to shine in the series for them, and I think they're going to need some of their other guys to step up. Uh, you know, Jake Crowder is going to have to knock down some shots for them. Uh, you know, Miles uh, Bridges was okay. Sorry, Mikael Bridges was he was okay for them. He knocked down two three points, but four of twelve from the uh, field. Again, we already talked about DeAndre Ayton, uh, Cam Johnson. He had a pretty good game, too. Three of seven, two of five from three-point land. So, um, you know, I, I think it was this was a uh, like a 1990s type of game one where it was like yeah. defense and hard fouling and guys getting after each other. So this is going to be, again, a fun series to watch. But, uh, you know, we talked about we all liked Phoenix in game one. They came out and did the job, and uh, we're on to game two. Exactly. And, you know, LeBron, obviously a very typical chill game one for him. Only took 13 shots, 18 points, 10 assists, seven boards. He'll obviously be back later in the yep. series, but he took it easy today. Mikhail Bridges looked pretty good on him, but, you know, LeBron wasn't really in go mode. Um, Devin Booker was the best player on the floor and he played 45 minutes and they really had no answer for him. So, you know, looking ahead to game two, I think the Lakers are going to be fine in this series, but um, you know, LeBron and AD got to step up, and then the rest of these role players have to knock down threes. KCP, one of seven, that obviously hurts. AD, you know, 0 of two. Wes Matthews, 0 of three. All those guys are getting looks off of LeBron's penetration. You know, those have to go down for them to kind of be their uh, highest ceiling offensive team. Um, I'm trying to think what else from this game. Obviously, first kind of scuffle that we saw in the playoffs with that, uh, you know, LeBron goes down hard, then Caruso campaign and Trez get into it. Yeah. I, I posted some popcorn emojis in the Slack. I was getting hyped up on that. Uh, <laughs> that you know, just, just love to see that. And just, you know, playoff basketball is here. Any, any other takeaways from this game? No, I mean, uh, I think this is what we, we expected in game one. And I think we're on the game too. So uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, this uh, second game and, Again, just monitor CP3A's, uh, you know, health condition on if we get some news, maybe tomorrow, we could talk about that tomorrow night or uh, closer to game time. Yes, sir. Let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back with the rest of the series. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check it out. Their fantasy best ball tournament some of the best around, including their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament where you can win $1 million. Plus, you can play a number of games involving parlaying player props for MLB, the NBA, and more. They also have a special NBA playoffs best ball tournament going on as well. So go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. And don't forget to enter their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament for your chance to win $1 million. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. All right, coming back off the break, Munaf, we, we were getting trolled for it. We love the Clippers in the playoffs this year. They go down in game one of the Mavericks. Just uh, Luka Doncic just showing again that his game is perfectly suited for the playoffs, and he had this game on a string. He, you know, he had every answer for everything the Clippers threw at him, doubles, hard hedges, ISO switching, just dominant performance. He had 31, 11, and 10. 
um, plus 19 in his 40, 41 minutes for the Clippers, you know, still kind of another chill performance. Paul George started off really poorly. The pandemic P jokes were flying. He finished with 23 <laughs> points on 18, 18 shots. Kawhi Leonard yeah. was good 26, 10 and five, but not really, you know, on par with what Luca did for his team. So, you know, I think Kawhi needs to wake up a little bit, but it ends with a 113-103 win for the Mavericks. They obviously cover and get the outright win. Your impressions of this game won, Munaf. And I will say, I just placed a pity, pretty hefty bet for myself on the Clippers minus 150 to win this series. I think uh, that kind of went a little bit too far the other way. So, a spoiler, I think they're fine. But your, your impressions of this game won. Yeah, when we had talked about this when we were proving the Western Conference, I said that if Dallas makes their three-point shots, they're going to win some games. And they ex- did exactly that in game yep. one. 47% from the uh, three-point line. Three out of their four – sorry, three out of their five starters hit four or more. Two of those guys hit five or more. Luca hit five. Tim Hardaway hit five. So when you're shooting 47% from three-point line, you're going to have some success. And again, we had talked about this, and as Scott had met- mentioned this, and you had mentioned this, that – they still don't have an answer for Luca, And until they find a way to kind of neutralize him just a little bit and make somebody else beat you, it, it they're going to have some issues. And I think that, you know, I have a question for you later on and when we kind of wrap it up. But, um, you know, yeah, I think the story of this game was that Dallas knocked out the three-point shots and the Clippers didn't. Right, eleven to forty from the three-point line yep. for for Clippers, the number one three-point shooting team as far as per- percentage-wise in the NBA during the season. O of six for Marcus Morris. Uh, who else? Uh, o of two for Ibaka. I don't know why he's jacking up threes. You know, Paul George two of eight. Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard one of six. So I think that was pretty much your story. And you know, Dallas give credit a lot of credit to Dallas. The, uh, Clippers were ahead in that game in that fourth quarter, but. They knocked down some big three-point shots. Tim Hardaway Jr. had a couple of big three-point shots down the stretch, and you know that was pretty much the end of the game. And I think we're kind of seeing a repeat of what happened last season. I think that minus 150 price is a big adjustment for uh, this series, especially what we know the Clippers are capable of. But um, I think the Clippers will be fine. They are going to respond in game two. Um, but something to keep your eye on, again, is early in the game, if Dallas is not knocking down their three-point shots, it's going to be a long game for them. But in game one, Check mark the box of them and knocking down their three-point shots. Yeah, a few notes on this game that I had from just watching. I mean, for the Mavericks, yeah, Luca had every answer and just, you know, the, the Clippers had no good on-ball answer for him. You know, why do we not have Kawhi Leonard taking that assignment anymore? I mean, why is that off the table? I feel like, you know, he – I guess he gets tired if, if he does both. If he, they, they, he, can, he can't handle the best other team's best player and the offensive load, but it's not like he's even carrying the offensive load right now. I mean, it only took 22 shots, 26 points. You know, I think Kawhi needs to amp it up a little bit for this team to reach their ceiling. So I think he will. Um, obviously, he's lost. You know, the Raptors lost game one went to the Magic when they won the title that year. They're going to be okay, but Kawhi's got to wake up a little bit for the Mavericks. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith, four or five from three. Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing really well down the stretch of the season. Kind of underrated, sneaky, really good alongside Luka. Um, yep. And then for the Clippers, I mean, they got to figure out their rotation a little bit. Um, Zubac only plays 19 minutes. Ibaka plays 13 minutes. They close with neither big on the floor. But then, you know, the Mavericks got, what, like four dunks in the last, like, three minutes of that game just because Porzingis would, would be kind of looking big on the baseline when you double Luka. So 
I think one of the bigs should play. Ibaka was plus 11 in 13 minutes, kind of gives him a nice versatile look. Um, Zubash, he was minus 13 in his 19 minutes. So I, I will bring poses over to you. I mean, between Zubash and Ibaka at the center position and then, and then between Beverly, Rondo, and Reggie Jackson at the guard position, what lineup notes should t- t- Ty Lu hit? Because obviously we did see some playoff Rondo in this game as well. Yeah, Rondo needs to be in that fourth quarter. Yeah. I, I don't – I. Reggie Jackson needs to be put in a closet somewhere locked up because I don't <laughs> want him on the court. Um, I think to start the game, Pat Beverly is okay. Um, you know, he can knock down some three-point shots for you if he gets those open looks, and he can, you know, knock down some floaters for you. Um, again, he is a pest on the defensive side, but he can sometimes be a little overly aggressive and pick up quick left fouls. But I think Rondo is the one guy that I do want in the fourth quarter closing out with alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I'm not sure why they got away from Zubac in that, you know, especially in the first quarter, because he on the pick and roll or, or you know, they're kind of dumping it off to him. He was getting some easy dunks. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. They, and we talked about this in the uh, preview of this first round is that the uh, Mavericks don't really have a true big man inside that can kind of, you know, stop that or, or is a good rim protector, defensive guy. So, um, you know, I did have the over seven and a half on Zubac as a player prop. Luckily, that hit, and I think that was the first or quarter of the first half. But I think he needs to get some more minutes, um, especially he's a guy that can finish around the basket and get some easy dunks for you. So I, I like to see Zubac um, in the fourth quarter, maybe he has some rim protection. Um, Ibaka is another guy that's a good rim protector. He could get you block, block shots. So either one of those guys I'm fine with. But the, I think at the guard position, when you maybe don't want Paul George or Kawhi Leonard bringing up the ball and having a guy like Rajon Rondo um, being able to facilitate and set up your offense, I think that that's a, that's a good guy to have on your team. I'm not sure why. Last thing for me is that I'm not sure why the Clippers aren't playing at a faster pace because they have guys that can get up and down the floor. They have guys that can knock down the three-point shot, and I think the second best time to get a three-point shot is in transition. So I think they should be playing with a little more a little more pace. I know they were, Scott had mentioned this, that they were two of the teams that are bottom in pace, but I think Clippers are a team that should be playing a little faster. And it will be interesting to see if they do that in game two. Yeah, definitely excited for the game two in this. I think we'll see a big time response by the Clippers. Um, but yeah, I think I would like to see a little bit more Zubac and Ibaka, a little less of the Marcus Morris at center minutes. And I think Batum, Batum also looked pretty good um, and definitely yeah. play playoff Rondo was there. So I think that's a good sign for the Clippers. And I think Ty Lue is a really good coach. I think Rick Carlisle obviously uh, did come out in game one with a really good plan. Clearly the Mavericks started hot, but I think Ty Lue will make the necessary adjustments. So I'm excited about that Clippers price to win the series. Quickly, obviously, I mean, in Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Washington, kind of more lopsided series that the game ones kind of went the way of the favorite. Obviously, I think Washington did kind of, hang around for a while. They were pretty competitive. Bradley Beal, really, really fun scorer to watch. And then Brooklyn didn't play their best, but turned it on in the second half and was able to kind of pull away from Boston. So either of those games, any big takeaways that you had or things you saw and wanted to bring up? I'm a little worried about the Sixers because if you take a look at this box score, um, I think it was, this was the game, yeah, that Sixers shot 18 more free throws. The one thing that really, really stuck out for me in this game was the Washington Wizards scored 78, sorry, 76 points in the paint, and the Sixers only had 58. And if 
the Wizards maybe made a couple more three-point shots in this game, we would probably be having a different conversation right now. Or if they got a couple more free throws, this would be a different conversation right now. Because number one, the Wizards, again, points in the paint was a check mark for them in that score box. They out-rebounded them by one, um, which is okay. But I think the, the, the bigger thing was that the Sixers were plus six in offensive rebounding. Um, but I think that was a big concern. I think they're going to have to really step up their, their defense in the paint, uh, because giving up 76 points when you have guys like Dwight Howard to protect your rim and Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, who's a great defensive guy who had a great game. And for the, for the Sixers, I think that's a little concerning for me when you give up that many points inside the paint. Yeah. The Wizards offense was kind of there. So I think that that's a good point. I don't really – I would not have protected this game to go over, like, you know, this this far, and both teams to kind of get what they wanted offensively. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid was cooking 30 points for him. He would look, obviously, like himself, pretty unguardable. Only played 30 minutes, though, like you said, Tobias Harris, 37 points. Ben, what did you think of the Ben Simmons experience today? Uh, I saw, you know, someone posted – Jong posted in the Slack channel before we started that uh, – he liked Ben Simmons over 14 and a half points, only had six points, but did go for 15 assists, 15 boards, um, was plus yeah. 18 in his 38 minutes. So thoughts on Ben's performance, uh, you know, still kind of a weird playoff player, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, we need this guy to develop a jump shot, but <laughs> he won't do it. The bigger concern. Yeah. And he, he won't do it. Right. And then now the bigger concern is, is that if this, these games kind of come down to crunch time, is Ben Simmons going to be on the floor? because he was 0 of 6 from the free throw line also tonight or this afternoon. So he might be a little liability there. I did see that he jacked up one three-point shot. I don't know if that was at a buzzer or something. I wasn't able to see that. But uh, uh, I think, you know, again, Tobias Harris, is I, I, he's had a great season that, that translated for him here in, in game one. Uh, he got off to a fast start. I think it was like 28 points in the first half for the, the Sixers. Um and then Danny Green and Seth Curry were both uh, efficient from the three-point line. They combined of six of 13, uh, Danny Green three of four. So, um, you know, they did well. Um, but, again, you know, uh, it kind of sucked to see Joel Embiid get those two early fouls, and it was kind of yeah. limited. He only played 30 minutes in the victory, so maybe he gets more time, more minutes in the, in the in game two where he won't be as tired. Um, but, again, Washington, I think – we were expecting this to maybe be a lower scoring game, but Washington pushed the pace. And the, the, after the first quarter, when they were interviewing Scott Brooks, he said that we want to push the pace and then we want to push the pace, which means they want to play fast and then they want to play even faster than that. So I think that's going to be something that storyline that we're going to have to keep an eye on in, in this uh, series, because when I was watching this game that they were really pushing the pace as they have been all season. And, uh, I think that's going to continue for the Washington Wizards. I don't think this is a time for them to change the style of play that they have. So keep an eye out for that. And I think this total may not reflect it in game two. So if they have the same amount of points scored in game two, we may see a big adjustment uh, to that total uh, in game three, especially yeah. going back to Washington. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely blowout potential for the Sixers in game two. Uh, yeah. That was, that, that was kind of a, home run effort for the Wizards to stay close. So, you know, they did get the cover today. So shout out to those who are on Washington, Brooklyn, kind of a slow start for them, but they pull away in the second half. And um, obviously just 
just a lot of talent on the floor, probably a little bit too much for Boston. So takeaways from that matchup there, 104-93 win and cover for Boston. Stays under the total, obviously, really slow start to this one. Um, KD had 32. He was pretty lethal. Kyrie, 29 as well. James Harden doing what he does for this Nets team, 21-9-8. and eight. Uh, Just filling that role, a little more unselfish. Only took 13 shots. In the rotation off the bench, kind of what we expected. Yeah. Jeff Green, Claxton, Brown, and Shamit. So no DeAndre Jordan, uh, no Mike James. Um, but you called that. It was Claxton. So, um, yeah. you know, good win for the Nets, and I think this looks like an easy series for them. But your impressions of that game? Yeah, I think you just covered everything. I mean, I think this is probably going to be the worst game that the Nets play in the series. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant came out and said that, yeah, they were getting the looks for the three-point shots that they wanted. They just weren't falling. He even said that, you know, coming out of his hand, it felt good, but they just didn't go in. And, you know, um, when when your three superstars combined for, what, five of 24 from three-point land, that's obviously going to improve as as this series goes on. So for the Nets to get this game one victory and play probably the worst game I think that they're going to play of all series and get the win and still cover. I, I think, you know, this might turn into a sweep for the Brooklyn Nets. And um, I think Kramer hit the nail on the head when we, when I uh, did the uh, Eastern conference preview with them, he said that this is going to be a good warm up series for the Brooklyn Nets. So yep. um, again, I think game two is going to be a blowout again. I think they're shoot a lot better and uh, Boston will be in Cancun in a, probably a week. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, for the net, for the Celtics wise, if Jason Tatum doesn't play well, they have no chance to win a- any yeah. game in that in, the, in this series. So he was six of 20, one of four from three, 22 points, uh, five assists, but four turnovers as well. Kemba wasn't great either. So, you know, just yeah. a, t- a tough matchup for, for Boston. As we speak, the Memphis Grizzlies are leading the Washington Wizards, uh, the Utah Jazz in the second half. Yeah. So maybe we'll have yeah. more to talk about there. We're looking forward to watching that. So we're going to get out of here. Great show tonight. Felt like we were, I was, I was locked in. Felt like we, we were just really ran through those and kind of covered the highlights. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it's only game one. Uh, you know, great start to the, <laughs> I feel like I've you know, I got that playoff intensity myself right now in the podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> I see you're smiling from year to year, man. I love it. You know, it's, uh, it's only uh, the first weekend. It's only game ones. You know, I'm excited. You know, we're going to be able to talk hoops all, all throughout the week. Me, you, Dan, Scott, Ryan. Some some guy named Sean that's a Sixer fan wants to get onto our podcast. So uh, I'm gonna have to discuss that with you and uh, with you and Dan if see if we want to get him on for uh, <laughs> Sixers portion. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just kidding. You know, uh, it'll be exciting. Maybe we can get Sean on for something here. I know he wants to come on, so I think it'll be fun to talk hoops with him. But um, yeah, man, I'm excited, man. Let, let's uh, let, let's uh, hopefully these games twos are just as exciting as uh, this first weekend was and. Uh, Let's get it, man. I'm excited. Uh, hopefully, we can all we can bounce back as far as our picks. I know we didn't have a great weekend betting, but um, hopefully, we can bounce back here this in the new week. Yes, sir. And um, you know, lots to get to all week long. We will have a show on this feed every single day this week. Yep. You, me, and Dan, and Dan are recording tomorrow night. That'll drop Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, this is the NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. If you liked it, please subscribe, rate, and review. You've been all over the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, hardest working man in show business. That's you, Munaf, uh, with the MLB Gambling Podcast, the NBA Gambling Podcast, of course. So check out all the podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network um, and join us in the conversation. If you, ha- if you haven't yet, the yeah. Slack channel, you can sign up at sg.pn slash Slack. 
and uh, we're going to have discussion in there all week with our picks and obviously on the podcast as well. So, Munaf, where can the people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. And last thing I do want to mention is that we got uh, – I saw a review for us that came down from someone from Australia who gave us a five-star review and left a comment for us. So if you're in the States and you're listening to us and you're in our Slack channel and you haven't left us a review, shame on you, all right? <laughs> please leave us a review. Uh, hopefully it's a five-star review, but please, please leave us a, a review and, and a rating and we would get greatly appreciated. Hell yeah, that the, we – Appreciate all of you. Hopefully we can keep uh, making them some money the rest of the season. And we will bounce back from this weekend. Big Monday tomorrow. We got yeah. We got to start it off tomorrow with the Monday. As we've been saying all, all year, it's going to be an interesting Sunday night here. Maybe, maybe some time to get some Grizzlies jazz live in to save the week. Um, yeah. But I'll always be responsible. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. Great being with you all. Great show tonight. We will catch you tomorrow. So let it ride, everybody. Basketball, get it, get it, get it.